Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. We would like to acknowledge the first people, the traditional custodians of the land we are podcasting on in Los Angeles, the Shumash, Keech, and Tongva people, and pay our respects to their elders, past and present. Salad or Dolly, through a great party, we all drank Bacardi, it got kind of gnarly. We're light as a feather, we're tougher than leather. Together we're weirder, we're weirder together. Hi, Oni Sky, weirder together. September, our birthday month. <laughs> our birthday yes. month. How you feeling? I'm good. I'm really good. I like, I love the early September. There's some other cute early September. There's someone. Beyonce. Some, well, yeah, that's. Mark that. Ronson. <laughs> but uh, I mean, just oh, mean. Them jeans. Uh, I, don't, I don't even Jason mean. Jason Stewart from How Long Gone. I, I'm, I'm letting go of my September 4. I just mean even. Don't let go of it. Ring it out, baby. Listen. Get every drop of juice, every drop of nectar from your birthday. I'm just saying September 5th had Lauren Lapkus and then. I can't remember. Just adorable. All these adorable people. You got September girls, big star. Yeah, well, there you go. Yeah, we're and yeah. we're we're adorable people. Adorable, <laughs> gorgeous, gorgeous guys, gorgeous girls. Virgos are meant to be, diff, you know, critical, analytical, which is not always bad. But it's not the easiest sign in the world. No. For others. No, particularly. Um, and for yeah. ourselves. Yeah, 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 exactly. For, particularly anyway, for those that, that have to endure they, us. That's yeah. what they say. Um, When... I used to come to America uh, when I just, you know, started music and I was doing all these short trips over my school holidays and stuff. As well as building an indie rock career while in high school, my main obsession was buying records. Yes. Because the pri- people don't realize the price of vinyl and CDs that were produced in America when you're in Australia were like twice the price. So you didn't have the same sort of casual, oh, I'm going to try this. I'm going to try that. It was like, it was expensive to be a music fan. right. Yeah. Did you you get those? So yeah. How did you get, they got imports? Yeah, they they were all imported. So, I mean, the big stuff, like if it was on a major label, it would get made locally or in Asia or whatever. Anyway, so anytime I came, I was always just buying tons of records. And it was like, if I'd vaguely heard of something or if it was on a cool label, I mean, that's how like... I guess it's still how people hyperlink around streaming, just finding things that are connected. And one of the things I stumbled upon when I was probably 15 years old was an artist named Azalea Snail, who was this kind of interesting, artistic, impressionistic, abstract, underground artist, experimental artist. And I loved it. Mm -hmm. And a few years later, (laughs) I met... Azalea, who is uh, living in LA. And anyway, the road twists and turns, but this week, Weirder Together are releasing a new Azalea Snail single called Zap You of That Hate on Weirder Together. So how about that? Ah, I love it. Right? It's great. And today we have joining us Azalea Snail herself. 
Thank Yay. you. Man, it's wonderful to be here with you guys. Yeah. I mean, of course, I've been fans of both of you, you know, from different fields of, of the artistic spectrum. But um, I'm sure that I must have seen you in New York at some point. I can't remember every gig I went to, but I went to gigs constantly. I mean, like every night, sometimes three or four different clubs, because not only was it Super cheap, you know, easy. But you need to get on the guest list all the time. Like, can yeah, you put yeah. me on the guest list? Hey, you had a little, you had clout. That's what they call oh, clout that. these days, you know. But back then it was like that was all about getting on the guest list to indie rock shows. Yeah. I guess so. It's still so, fun to be on the guest list, right? I mean, now the concerts are like 200 bucks. Exactly, so like, exactly. Anyway. And everyone's holding yeah. phones the whole time. Yeah. But so what is, like, what, I, I'm, I don't know this, but I'm guessing you were not born as Alias now. What's the, why what's, would you say that? I, what's I mean, the what, origin what story? Would you say, well, my How parents. And when did you become azaleas? My now? parents yeah. had azaleas growing in the front yard in oh. Maryland. Now we did move around a few times. So I was born in Philadelphia, which I'm very proud of because we got Todd Rundgren. Yeah, other goodies. Yeah. And you got so, the word John. You know about that? That's John. a more current hip hop word. J A W N. It it's, means like a thing. Like, oh, wow. pass me sure. that green John over there. Okay. That's like a feeling oh, thing. Okay. You can use anything. You yeah. Be like, okay. How you do like you... this weirdy together John we got made up? John, I, just like I dig it. It's it like J A W N. J A W N. I don't even. So okay, that came anyway. from Philly? Probably... Yeah. On go- look, ongoing education. That's what I we're learning it. these days. I know. Keep your minds open. Keep Absolutely. learning. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, Philly. And then we went to Newark, New Jersey. And so we were going into New York City all the time. When it was really cool, right? I mean, yeah. What year? Where are we now? We're like in the late sixties. Oh wow! Okay, okay. So we got to see, like, you know, as a little girl, I'm wandering through Central Park, and it's just, it's just beautiful. I'll never forget it. I remember really like Times Square with the big cigarette signs and the smoke coming out. Yeah, there would be a guy like, you know, the cigarette. I just remember that so well. Yeah. So maybe uh, how lucky when you look back that you know, but you got to. Live it was in amazing. New York. My mom loved theater. You yeah. Know, so she was actually an actress and did some local theater work, and then we moved to Cleveland for a couple of years. Didn't really like that too much, and then we moved to Maryland outside of DC. So, but but as soon as I turned seventeen, I'm like, I'm going back to New York. I was obsessed with New York. And I really loved Johnny Thunders and the whole Max's Kansas City thing, which was just about to end. But you know, I used to sneak, I used to make a fake stamp because I was like 17, 18, made the fake stamp, wandered up, saw like, you know, Johnny Thunders, suicide. Whoa. You know, I got to see X-ray specs. Wow. For Christ's sake. So I mean, all at Max's. Well, that was a CBGB's. So, so Max's, CBGB's, was, it like, was Andy Warhol around? I, I did not. Yeah. I don't remember seeing him at Max's. And mind you, it was crazy. I was like, it was so, my mind was blown constantly. Yeah. So, But I did meet uh, Andy Warhol. And in fact, he took a Polaroid of me at one of his Polaroid photographic shows. You wow. know, he was just like, click, click, click. And you what know. was your look back then? Were you- my look? <laughs> wow. Well, you know, I was pretty much a tomboy. Yeah. I loved psychedelic music, and but I wasn't into like my whole color thing yet. That right. that was a little later. Yeah, but I definitely wore a lot of black. I mean, yeah. in New York, everybody sure. wore black. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's a uniform. Yeah. It was like a uniform. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, the thrift stores were great then. I mean, I would get stuff for a dollar. You know, like an amazing thing. Wow. Yeah. So, so music was more just part of culture. It wasn't like you were determined to be a musician. I was. I wanted to be a musician, but here's what happened. I started hanging out with all these guys that wanted me to help them. Right. So I managed a band, 
and help them get signed. And, you know, it was always about for the man. I was just always working for my man. Huh. Yeah. And I, and I wanted to do it, but nobody thought. And, you know, I wasn't really a trained musician. I took a little piano lessons, a little bit of guitar. But I wasn't really a real musician, but I still wanted to do it. Yeah. My mom wanted me to be an actress, but, you know, here's the problem with me. I can't remember my lines. I can't remember lyrics, song lyrics. I can't remember you know, lines. I, I'm so amazed by people like you, Ioni, and my mom to remember all those lines. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's uh, definitely um, when, well, yeah. But as, as a teenager, when I started, you can remember things re- pretty mm. easily. And then it just becomes a kind of, you learn how to learn, you know, wh- how yeah. best you learn how to do that. Right. But yeah, that's, that's, incredible. I was terrible at it. I, I would get like stage frights. So as soon as I would get on a stage, I, I still get it, really. Like, what am I doing up here? What? What? You yeah, know, yeah, why yeah. am I up here? Yeah. I still feel that yeah, way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I you get know. it. So but yeah. when you were seeing, you know, yeah. suicide and <laughs> polystyrene, yeah. weren't you already getting the concept of punk, which was that it didn't really matter if you could play an instrument? I or think it, so. it was about the spirit, right? Yes. Yeah. I do think so. And it and I definitely considered myself half hippie, half punk. You know, I love the hippie thing. I mean, Donovan was one of my favorites. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, there was all this, these, these different uh, kinds of music that influenced me. So when I started doing my own, it was just naturally a hodgepodge. It wasn't like self-consciously, I'm going to do like this weird, you know, mixture of little bit punk, little psychedelic, a little folk, a little noise. I just loved all of that stuff. Right. And because I wasn't a good enough musician to really play like anybody else, I just came up with my own stuff. Yeah, I I, you know? I feel similarly that all I had available as far as tools was this nylon string acoustic guitar and a Sony boombox cassette yeah, recorder. Right. So that became my studio. And yeah. it so happened at the time when I started in the early 90s that there was a wave of home recording yes. starting to become like between Liz Fair and Elliot yeah. Smith and all that, you know, Absolutely. and, and it is funny how these decisions you make, they're not really aesthetic decisions necessarily. They're just what's available. Exactly. Yeah. But, but the musicians that knew how to play, like uh, uh, not everyone was obviously classically trained, but when you say people knew how to play, a lot of people just, you mean, just were to, you know, in their room with their instrument. Yeah. For years and years and years. Is that what you are referring to yeah, when people... Just, just creating my own, because I have very small hands. And so I just would make my own chords and just yeah. f- and do weird tunings on the guitar. And then I started collecting all these weird instruments at thrift stores like zither. And I, I got myself this uh, two different zithers. And one, I had a pickup on it and put it through all the effects and it just made all this noise. And it's on most of my first album, Snailbait. Mm. So, yeah, it was just kind of, yeah, learning as you go, figuring out stuff. But isn't that every musician? Ex- no, I guess some people have lessons or some people oh, right, right. Some people also get into punk or experimental stuff later in their journey. So they start off being into Jimi Hendrix and Led Zeppelin and Black Sabbath and they learn technically how to play yeah. with oh, a so- teacher or with tablature. Or, okay, got you it. You know what I mean? That's like, the difference of yeah. what you're talking about. They're more interested in the formal elements. Just yeah, I'm yeah. curious about yeah. being a woman and then th- yes. thinking, oh, it was, oh they yeah. all know what they're doing, but a lot of them were also, the men were sitting around. Yeah, but I think men also 
get an innate confidence societally, even with self-taught that's things. So that's what I'm saying. Yeah, that's, that's my true. point. Okay, got that's you. My, so that's true. my point. Yeah. That's my point. Well, there that's- was a band that I started hanging out with. It was friends with one of the guys. I'm not even going to mention his name. Who was in a band that I helped manage. Got him signed, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, there's a band called Fly Ashtray. And they just thought I was so cool. They just said, who's this girl? Like, she's cool, you know. So we started hanging out and doing all this four-track stuff. I, the Tascam Porter One. You probably ended up with I had that. a 244. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And so we, and it ran on batteries as well as being plugged in. So we could take it out into the forest oh, wow. and get high as a kite, mushrooms, ecstasy, whatever. Yeah. And we would get really high and make these incredibly weird recordings. So it was very weirder together, actually. You know? cool. So a band, and so then we formed this band called Stoink, and we called it Stoink, and we got to play at CBGBs because it, we did a cover of "To Sir with Love" by Lulu, and it was so off off the wall wacky. And I sang, and I remember saying to the guys, "If Lulu heard this version." she would turn over, and I couldn't say she would turn over in her grave because she was still alive. So I said she'd turn over in her new kitchen, (laughs) blame it on drugs. So if you put those initials together, S-T-O-I-N-K, and just for kicks, we put an exclamation point between each letter. In the new kitchen. Stoink. In the new kitchen. So we played CBGBs. It was fantastically fun and crazy. And did you feel like, uh, as you were coming in and starting to you play clubs and everything. Did you feel like an outsider or did you feel yes. like part of the scene? I never felt like part of any yeah. scene. And in fact, I wrote a song once called Scenescape about trying to fit into a scene. I never fit it, even with like the riot girls, the lo-fi people. I didn't, I just didn't feel like I fit in. I, st- I still really don't feel yeah. like that, but it's okay. You got to do your own thing. But I definitely wasn't good at fitting in and always felt a little bit of a misanthrope. Did you want to fit in? Like, did you long to be accepted? That's a good question. Wow. I was kind of a proud misanthrope for a while. Mm. I mean, maybe I'm (laughs) thinking maybe that's just an idea of fitting in is sort of, I see that with my older daughter that she's sort of giving herself a hard time because people Mm. love her and she loves hanging and she loves scenes, but she's sort of like, I feel like I should be like finding my people in a Mm. deal. And I kind of think like, I think she's just sort of aware of her. Yeah, but do you think creatively, um, like I do think people rise together and you you need allies to, whether yeah. it's bands you want to play shows with that you have a, can create a vibe together right. with or yeah. be on a label where you resonate. Like there is, right. I think there's both. There are those artists that are totally misanthropic and then there's like Elephant Six, like which we yes. were all saw last week. Right which they really benefited from finding like minds. They so did. there's kind of both. They right? did. And it's funny because I met them very early on and I never even thought to ask them, hey, will you put out my records? Yeah. I got lucky because I toured all the time. I mean, I was on tour three, four times a year in the 90s. It was so easy then, right? I mean, the gas was cheap. Everything was easy. And you did the whole cr- the network of crashing I on did, people's couches yes, and that I did do a lot of that. Or finding yeah. the cheapest little, funny little motels. Yeah. and you know, But just finding like-minded people all over the country and Europe. I, I went to Europe a lot. I was living in New York, so it was this easy trip. Yeah. And every time, you know, I would do these things and I would meet a lot. And I'm still friends with, oh, I see a little zither there. Or no, a thumb piano. There's a kalimba. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Got distracted. <laughs> um, but, you know, I get, um, yeah, I get into these modes where I meet a lot of cool people. And then I feel like, yeah, let's put together these shows and let's do this like the Elephant Six. But um, but then, you know, recently I found out that Robert 
Schneider was a big a big fan. Uh, who knew? So I said, God, I should have asked Robert then to put out my stuff. I know. I know. That was so- an amazing. He sent an incredible, lovely quote about the release of the new single, just really yeah. paying tribute to what an influence you were under everything they were creating. Isn't that great? It was. It was kind of like, what? You know, yeah. it kind of made me cry a little, you know? Yeah. It's just like, because you don't know when people are kind of, seeing what you're doing but maybe they don't say anything maybe they don't want to say admit that they like somebody Mm. like me because my stuff is so weird and i don't mean it to be weird it's just that's what comes out as you get older when it's sometimes too late i mean Mm. look we're all luckily working and everything still which is great but then you start to think hey i love your work i love you but when you're all young and kind of spacey you're Mm. not like focused enough yeah or when people die and suddenly there's this outpouring yeah so tell them while they're here right well that's what i think that people should be more aware of celebrate the people that you know while they're still here instead of waiting till they go you know, that's why I love the idea of a life. What is that? People are doing this now, like celebrations while they're still alive. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah like Albert Brooks on Curb Your Enthusiasm. He threw oh, his funeral he, oh, while he was right. living and Larry yes. David oh, yeah. deeply resented it. That is yeah. so great. That is so great. <laughs> so, yeah, so what I was going to say is I, when I saw that you guys formed this, I guess, what, about four or five months ago or something like that, Weirder Together, I was like, God, I, I got to be on Weirder Together. This is so up my alley, yeah, you know? Natural. And, um, and I'm just so happy that you're getting a little more political, not to get too political on the show. It's okay. But, you know, the last time, one of the last times we saw you, because before the COVID thing, we did a show at this really funny little castle-like house. And Dan and I, there's Dan West over there, um, we had this song for Bernie Sanders called Bernie's Air. And, and we did it. And I was like, God, Ben, like, you know, we really got to get Bernie Sanders in there. And you, I remember you saying something like, and this isn't a bad thing. You said, well, you know, I'm still kind of working on my own self and trying to figure out my own life. I can't really think about, and then things got really bad. About influencing right? people. I vacillate. You know? I still vacillate. Really? I yeah. get, I get in a real, sometimes there's a real activist energy that comes yeah. in. Like in Australia right now, there's a massive referendum happening about um, recognizing the indigenous people within yeah. the constitution. So altering right. the constitution. Yeah. Imagine if they, right. you know, when they try and do that kind of thing here. Yeah. It's like a, um, but Which is it's so insulting to even have, you know what I mean, we at all. We shouldn't need to have a referendum right. about it. it right. just be, uh, but but so it, it, that is lighting yeah. me up a bit, but I'm yeah. also aware that, it's tricky for artists because these issues, these moments, these candidates, they come and go. Yeah. They pass yeah. through. And the work we make and the messages we make, they do have to have a sense of eternity in them. And it's a balance I think we each have to wrestle with yeah. all constantly. Together we're weirder, we're weirder together. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
Hi, beautiful babies. I'm Ben Lee. And I'm Ioni Sky. And we are the hosts of Weirder Together podcast. If you enjoy our podcast, you might like some of the podcasts that our friends make and release on the Weirder Together podcast network. Like punk legend Jello Biafra's Renegade Roundtable. Multidisciplinary artist Brock Enright's trippy sonic journey, Vague Data. Making Ways, the art of music, an exploration of the ways that musicians and visual artists communicate and collaborate. Raw Impressions with Lou Barlow and Adele Barlow. I love that, one of my favorite married couples. And The Blag Show with Sarah and Sally, a collection of never-before-heard vintage interviews with legendary artists. And The Future of Being a Musician with Ben Lee. Find these pods on your favorite podcast platform now. Love ya. But this has one other thing good about being a really truly underground artist. You can say whatever the hell you want. Yeah, yeah. And they're like, whatever. What is what does that person's opinion matter? But I mean, the idea, and the Beatles knew this, is really to spread the love. And to just go back to that part where I said I was a proud misanthrope. I'm not proud of that now. But I was just, you know, my dad left when I was 13. I felt really like that was my fault. And just I just started feeling so bad about the world. And I hated corporate BS. Are we allowed to swear on this show? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Bullshit of the corporate bullshit, right? Yeah. I hated it. So I would do all these temp jobs in New York and just go in there and they would just treat me like a speck of dirt, you know, in these big, huge offices and... But I did get to work for Walter Cronkite once. Oh, wow. Two days with Walter Cronkite, yeah. Anyway. So what was that like? It was amazing. I mean, he was great. And in fact, he said, just throw, throw this away, and I'd put it in the can, and then I would dig it out. So I have a couple of Walter Cronkite That's things. That's really cool. So, yeah, but, you know, um, but now I realize really, and it really helped to meet somebody like Dan West because he's such a lovable person. And so when I first met Dan, I wrote a song for him called Lovey Dove. And he was so full of love and light. And I thought, wow, somebody can actually be like this in the world. And, you know, I had moved to California in late 99, and that changed everything for me. Because I kind of wanted to be bi-coastal. I still had my New York, like, tug. But New York just was getting so gentrified. And all my favorite cafes, I was living in the West Village, they were all closing down. Like, now it's all designer boutiques. Where is your local, you know, deli and your little cafes and your, you know. It's just the White Tavern or there's nothing just, from the Yeah, old the White Horse Tavern is still there, there right? There, but, uh, yeah. Yeah, what else? Yeah, that was my first big New York where I lived. Oh, cool. my mom was from the Bronx and oh, did Brooklyn. You, oh, yeah. But I just, anyway, but the West Village. But yeah, yeah. I, yeah, it used to be very, a lot of characters. It was so, it was so bohemian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, and then I remember when I found Echo Park, I thought, this is still bohemian. And yeah. then, of course, that started getting gentrified, Yeah. But um, well, yeah, I, I want to um, ask you about yeah. um, that process of commercialization and gentrification because one of the things that I think people who are just on, like young people who are online now, are fascinated with yeah. is it, it seems like from the questions we get is that that shift that happened early '90s with Nirvana, where underground culture suddenly there was the eyes were on it and people were seeing dollar signs. Yeah. And I'm right. curious, even though I know you weren't, you never went overtly commercial or anything like that, did you feel the impact of that shift in the industry at all? Yeah. I mean, it just seemed like our little underground world was all of a sudden being highly dissected 
by the corporate elite and, you know, like, how can we make our money? You know, and I remember even, even me, 1993, released an album called Burnt Sienna and TVT Records came out. And, and you know, CMJ gave it like a really nice review. Remember the College Music oh, yeah, Journal, sure. right? And so a few labels came up to me, like they would come uh, find me somehow. And I remember a meeting with TVT and that guy, the way he made money was TV themes. That's why it was called TVT Records. They, they signed Nine Inch Nails and made a ton of money with them. And the guy brought me into his office. What was his name? Oh my God. Tom Sarig, I think was his name. I'm not sure. So he brings me into his office, little old me. And I'm, and he's like, well, Azalea, you know, what, what do you want to do? Um, what, how, you know, what do you want to do with your career? And I said, I thought to myself, should I say I want to like take over the world like the way Madonna did it? Uh -huh. But no, I didn't want to do that. I just said, well, I, I just want to be able to keep creating my art. And of course, that's not the right thing to say to a, a big label. You have to say, I want to be a star. All right. But I didn't really want to be a star, you know, and especially because you see the stories, you know, people, anybody from Marilyn Monroe to Judy Garland, you know, they're the stars and then it becomes horrible. Yeah, it doesn't doesn't end well generally. Right, yeah. Kurt Cobain, yeah. who I I didn't really know him, but of course all my friends knew him, and uh, I remember he was playing a club called uh, uh, it was in Times Square in some penthouse, and I was supposed to go. My boyfriend at the time, Charlie, was opening for him. It was one of those nights I just didn't feel like going out, so I never did get to see Nirvana. Yeah, but I just thought. You know, it's not always healthy to become so big and then all of a sudden every little thing you do, yeah. they're analyzing and dissecting and criticizing. I never liked being criticized. I didn't even like walking down the street in New York wearing a slightly revealing outfit because all the guys, you know, I hated that catcalling, yeah. right? Did I'm you ever same. like that? No, I'm I'm fascinated like when people do do wear clothes like that and even yeah. i notice like when i dance i dance more like a man a little mm. bit like in the club or something yeah. like i don't dance like i'm afraid of that attention that mm. sexual kind of attention pub publicly yeah like just because it feels like it could go i don't know i just i've never liked that either so you had to put yourself out as an actress though and how did you did there was were there times in movies where they said oh will you wear oh no i that well love scenes i didn't have a problem with okay. if i liked the project okay it's, it's interesting because yeah. when you know being an artist and not yeah. like i paint but yeah. the idea of having a fancy art show, like I think mm. of Basquiat, like somebody yes. who all of a sudden when there's this whole industry coming at you, yeah. you have to do a series, you have to do a show yeah. and the artists that can pull that together and, and even the Elephant Six thing when you're in a house and making music versus all that yeah. outside pressure, right. that sounds really hard. How do you stay creative in that kind of environment? But doing a, a movie it's weirdly like it's so organized that you just know mm -hmm. i have to come in do yeah. this scene i have to be like this okay. in the scene and it's you so know, even with just, the grips and like the grips and the electric and you guys just, you can yeah. i can be creative under those circumstances that's good, but yeah. but i feel See, like that's brave for me it's that's very brave, brave but yeah. doing anytime i've had a commission as a painter mm -hmm. you know ben yeah. The difference you flip out. The difference between I'm <laughs> yeah. painting this because I feel like it mm -hmm. versus doing a yeah. portrait of people's children, or mm -hmm. can you do a landscape for me? Then yeah. I just it's like I'm the pressure agonizing. Yeah, yeah. pressure. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. but it's yeah, it's like hard. I think for people to yeah 
um, create with all of that pressure, I guess. Oh, yeah. I mean, could you, I mean, could you imagine, like I said to Dan earlier, just constantly people expecting you to do all these things that you're yeah. not comfortable with? Like yeah. even today, because I was a little nervous about today, you know, why not? And, and I said, can you imagine if I had to do an interview like this, like five to 10 times a month or whatever, or 30 days in a row? You'd get relaxed about it, though. I don't know. No? I, I don't yeah, know. Yeah. It depends on who you're talking to. Yeah. Like, you guys are cool. Yeah, I feel yeah. like you're one of me. You know, we're yeah, all yeah, kind of... Yeah. Weirder together. Yeah. But <laughs> um, but if you're with some, you know, I did see some interviews with people that didn't really know who I was. And they're just asking like these very mundane questions. And you're like, okay. You know, imagine like Kurt, he didn't really like to be asked those kind of questions where people didn't really get him. Yeah. Right? I yeah. guess. Yeah, I mean, you have to. Yeah, good interviewer, I guess, is uh, someone. Yeah, you read the vibe of the person, yeah. I guess. So do you feel in some ways that you actively capped the types of success or experiences that you exposed yourself to with that with like did you you know what I mean that's the classic like experimental artist thing like not wanting it to go too far I don't know I think I would have liked maybe one or two notches up on the top I mean just to be able to like you know make a better living because it's been a bit of you know it's been yeah. a struggle I ended up getting into the film world yeah. and being a costume designer a little yeah, bit yeah. and stuff like that I also have like scripts and like everybody else in this town and different projects but you know it'd be nice you know to get a yeah like I think the elephant six movie I'm like this is so great for these people that yes they had a certain amount of notoriety but just some of those guys like John uh, Fernandez is still working in a record store which is fine yeah but I think he's just like posting now constantly on Facebook here I am look at me in the movie and how yeah, cool is so this excited and it's they're nice. so yeah, excited yeah, yeah. and I, I love that it happened in a very organic yeah, way because they didn't do it for fame and to no. be getting a little bit of fame and yes. notoriety at the moment it's like it feels appropriate it's, it's like, like they, the number one movie on, so cool. on, I, on Apple or whatever yeah. you know yeah so which cool. is kind of crazy and the music is so great yeah. neutral milk hotel apples and stereo yeah. i watched your podcast about them yeah. and you know that it's just it was really sweet and i and like i said i mean jeff here's a good example the guy from neutral milk hotel jeff mangum he never wanted that kind of attention because he's so sensitive he's such a sweet shy person and that's why he kind of couldn't keep doing it mm. it's really hard you know i mean I always think like people that are the sons and daughters of major celebrities, like it must be so weird. And like, where do they go? Well, they could go to a remote island maybe and live. But, you know, um, it's it's hard when you don't choose fame. And then it's hard if you just want to do your art and you become super famous and then you can't handle it. Mm. Right? I mean. what What do you feel looking back on kind of this amazing varied career where you have done lots of things, but you've done them each with your personal touch. Like, what are you most proud of when you think of your whole catalogue of creativity that you've created so yeah, far? That's a, that's a really good question. I mean, I, I just, I think because I did it my way, I never compromised. And even when I had to work on some movies with like, can you, I'm like, I can't do it that way, you know? But yeah, I mean, I think like I said, the collage of all the different things that influenced me. I'm proud that I did my own thing and I, and I didn't bow down to pressure to try to be like somebody else. And I, I can, I'm also kind of proud that I didn't go for the to totally sexualized thing. Like I just 
maybe not just because I wasn't comfortable with it, but I thought it was a little cheesy. Like, you know, as you get older, you may not be as hot or you may not have the same body or whatever, you know. And I just really wanted to be known for what's up here mm. in, the, in this head. And, you know, not that it's a bad thing to be called attractive, you know, but I just didn't feel comfortable with that. Mm. What so let's talk about the new stuff, the new yeah, music. So you. you we connected a couple months back and yeah. and about the podcast. And I was like, wow, I also want to put out an Azalea. Oh, wait, I have a question for you before oh, that. Okay. How do you feel about the other about Azalea Banks? About Iggy Azalea? <laughs> you had you had the total, you know, you <laughs> owned that. Fuck and yeah. now you got these other upstart. What, what does that do? Well, you know? I said, <clears throat> well, first I think I think it was I don't know if it was Iggy Azalea first, but Azalea Banks. I still believe that her mom saw my name in the Village Voice Whoa. and just said I'll put in an extra e. But yes, Azalea, you know, because nobody used that name, right? And then um, Iggy Azalea, or um, yeah, Iggy Azalea. Iggy Pop must be pissed, mm. right? And there was only one Iggy Pop, and there was. Maybe only one Azalea. I don't know. But now Iggy Azalea took both of us. <laughs> is it, is it Come a funny, on. Isn't it funny that like <laughs> 300 years from now when someone's Googling, there may be some confusion about who was Iggy Pop <laughs> and who was Iggy Azalea? Oh, <laughs> you know what I mean? Man, right? <laughs> well, I hope that's why McCartney wanted to flip the uh, songwriting credit for oh, Yesterday and for some of his big, his big songs to be McCartney-Lennon. Oh, that's interesting. Because he said, look, 500 years from now, <laughs> someone's going to open that up and just go, oh, yeah, the main guy that wrote it is Lennon. That's really interesting. Um, so, yeah, you know, it's, it's, well, who cares? We're all going to be forgotten. But you know, we all, Well, the world <laughs> might just be owned by by little insects in 50, 100 years. I okay, mean, yeah, so, anyway. so now we're moving on to this yeah. current music. I was like, yes. I want to put out an Azalea Snail record. And you were like, I've got some. So, oh, yeah. So you'd been, tell us well, about this that is what's that so, Yes. Well, yeah. what's so crazy is we bumped into this guy, Adam Lazis, in the last year or so. And he's this really sweet guy. He did a bunch of indie bands in the 90s. He had several studios that did very well. And now he's living in LA. We all end up here for some reason. I don't know. But we just kept, and he said, hey, if you ever want to come, you know, use my studio. And Dan and I were like, God, we wish, but, you know, we don't have like $100 an hour or whatever it costs. And so he said one day, he goes, why don't you just come over? Don't worry, you know, let's just make some, have some fun. So I, during COVID, I was just constantly making uh, music on in voice memo recordings with my various Omnichords. I have about three or four models. And by the way, those are becoming really popular, but I was the first. Don't tell anybody. <laughs> but I had them since 99. I was constant. I it took over from the guitar because there's, I can do so much more with them. And I love the sonic spaciousness of the Omnichord. It's so me. It's like I am a space rocker, really, <laughs> above all the other things we mentioned. But um, so, Adam, so I went over with the songs and started recording them. And then when you said, do you have anything? I'm like, boy, do I have. I have like 50 new things that I've been working on. And I wanted to do something um, to, to spread the love and also as a comment on hateful people because I still, I swear to you, I don't understand that unbelievable amount of hate that these some of these people have, the GOP, okay, yeah. and others. But so I, I thought, zap you of that hate. If only I could just take like a magic wand, zap you of that hate. And then I, I had this thing where I'm going, dun, 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 you know, this is how the song goes. I love that song. Thank you. Okay. And so I just wish that I could go, dun, 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 and just zap. 
all of the evil, horrible people from the world. I mean, what if we could do that? Yeah. Mm. That should be a movie. Yeah. Right? We just they all just get zapped away. And then what would be we be left with love? And then maybe we wouldn't know what love is as much. Because if you didn't have hate, would you have love? I don't know. It just seems so much easier to love, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. It's so much easier. A better, yeah. better thing to aspire towards. I think so. Yeah. So that's what that's all about. And then I figured I didn't even, I did a version with a bunch of words that I wrote with Adam. And I listened to him like, I don't even need to say anything. It's gang, 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 gang. I know. I, I love that yeah. the song has like a message to it, but it's essentially an instrumental. Yeah. Like, because that reminds right. me of some of sort of like the cosmic jazz and stuff yes. like that where it was emitting a vibration. Right. And it'd be like, this song is about, you know, peace <laughs> right. and enlightenment. You're like, yes. oh, it sounds like a saxophone solo to me. Right. But, um, but yeah, it's Yeah, it's like cool. John Coltrane yeah. or Ornette Coleman, who, yeah. you know, we have a, a project, a free jazz thing. Wait, Dan. let's, let's oh, get anyway. Danny. Dan, let's get we've had so much talk West, of Dan. And we haven't, yeah, let's bring on, in Mr. Dan. West. Yeah, come on in, slide that microphone over. I, oh, I can move that bag or whatever. Come on in, make sure we can see you on the camera. Yeah, we can see Come on in. Yes. Yeah. Yes, You're much higher up. You have a lot of authority Ooh, in this situation. Wow. Oh, boy. Here we go. Well, hello. Like, <laughs> Hi, everybody. The man of yes. the hour. Well, what were you going to say? You said it's be been fun. To- oh, no. It's great. To, you guys are asking some of the best questions. I'm not just saying this because now I'm sitting here. And, you know, <laughs> but, no, this is really great. I mean, this is just I'm, – I'm learning a lot about you through some really interesting questions and – and um, it's enlightening. It's, and you guys have multiple projects together as well as the project of life that you yes, work yes. on together as a couple. Yes. Right. Yeah. yes. Well, we started, I think I started to tell the story. I wrote a song for him oh, called yeah. Lovey Dove. Sorry, and then, it's squeaky. That's yeah, yeah, I know. I got all about it. Find a position. Stick to it. Can it go down? It's not worth messing with It's not worth messing with He's going to be the really tall guy here. Yes. So, um, and so we, we we started playing together. First, I started playing on his songs. He started playing on mine. Well, and we were like, let's make a band. Well, one of the things that we've always said, and we were talking about this this morning, is she was doing her thing on the East Coast while I was doing my thing on the West Coast. I was in the Paisley Underground. I don't want it. This is about you, but just a quick backstory. Obsessed. My parents had tons of cassette players. They recorded. I recorded. So I grew up recording myself as I was learning. And did the sound on sound recordings. Then I got a 244 like you had. Then I got a 246, which was the Cadillac. And I had a band called Through the Looking Glass and Rodney played us all the time. And then- Rodney on the rock. Long story short, I saw everything took off so quickly to your thing about fame and things happening. Half the people I knew who were playing music suddenly were getting into hard drugs. I didn't like that direction. I was always a very positive kid. My parents were very supportive. My dad was a television writer. He just passed March 4th of this year, James Douglas West. Anyway, um, I ended up going to school and I had learned to read music very young. So you could throw a piece of music in front of me and I could sit there, you know, but I didn't really develop it. I became sort of like you guys, a creative doing psychedelic music and everything. Then I got into jazz and I started studying with a guitarist named Ted Green, mind blower. Anyway, yada, 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 bands, <laughs> projects, I could go on. But Zay, when she, I call her Zay, um, when she met me, she it was just, we clicked, and that's a whole story. I don't know, do we want to talk about how we met? Oh, how we met? Oh, initially? well, we had met in the early 2000s, and then we reconnected on actually a, a 
a love website. What? Uh, which okay one? Cupid. Okay Cupid. Aww. Is that weird? I love That's that. We're yeah. Hey, feel free. Okay Cupid. We welcome your big bucks. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you can sponsor yeah. the show. It'd be she. Yeah, and and it was so cool because I remember seeing her handle was Roxy Music Lover. And I said, where in this sea of people that I just don't get, here's somebody, it was, it just blew my mind. And we had some back and forth before I found out it was Azalea. And I said, oh my God, Azalea, is this Azalea Snail? Because <laughs> I met you 10 years ago and the rest is history. And she was always so great about my solo music because I was always a band guy and I was always very self-conscious to be on my own, you know, even though I had this huge trunk of stuff that didn't make the bands, but was, and so she went through and she put together my first solo album, which was like, yeah, wow. Really great. Hot Corners. Snail. Oh my God, thank you. <laughs> and it was very cool. And yeah. so I, I have produced some solo music of hers. She's played on my stuff. We're Lovey Dove. I'm playing on her new song. I play bass and- Yeah, the fuzzy bass. And on the Zap fuzzy bass on Zap and uh, some other things on this new record too. Yeah. So it's really And then exciting. Robert Schneider put out a song uh, of, of another new song, Trek Light, and you're on it too. With, with Electric Kangaroo. And, cool. uh, yeah. Oh, oh, oh. And yeah, I have a, an instrumental that I recorded with a guy named Matt Thorne worked with the Dust Brothers a little bit in the 90s. And uh, so Robert was so excited. He's he's the most positive guy. What yeah. did you so say sweet. about if we could have a pocket Robert Oh, yeah, Schneider. I want to carry a pocket Robert, a, a, a mini <laughs> I Robert. I like a pocket Robert. That sounds huh? good. That's pocket like a Robert. product. Pocket because Robert he's such a, like, he, he is that person in the film. Yeah. He's so yeah. joyous and so positive. Let's all get together and make something. Yeah, yeah. he really it's is one of great... the most incredible human beings. Amazing. Such a sweetheart. You'll have to have him on sometime. Yeah, we'd yeah. have to. Yeah. Well, the the single is out now. It's yeah. called Zappy of That Hate. It's on Weeder Together. Uh, you, it's available to stream everywhere, and it's a gorgeous piece of yeah. kind of space rock. Yeah, it's it really space is rock. kind of like space, space rock. rock. Space rocker. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Thank you guys so much for joining oh, us. Thanks yeah. for having thank us. You, our audience of the beautiful babies, would you like to? Uh, we'd like to leave with. We'll go into the song, but maybe before that, you could wish bid farewell to the beautiful babies. <laughs> farewell to the beautiful babies. Farewell to the beautiful babies. It's our audience. Oh, the beautiful babies. Farewell to the beautiful babies. Oh, that's yeah. sweet. That's a thing. You know, beautiful people name babies. podcast law. You got to name your they audience. Name their <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> All right. Well, beautiful thank babies. Thank you, beautiful babies. This is Azalea Snail with Zap You of That.
wipe you off that hate. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.